Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast and our Scares and Dares episode where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL player prop bets we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always for our Scares and Dares episode, senior staff writer, Joanne Collins. Hey everyone. Alright, so we got plenty to talk about this week including our Scare of the Week, the Advent Calendar, the 2020 French film, and of course, our four player prop bets that we dare to make in the AFC and NFC Conference Championships. So let's get this rolling. All right, as I said, our Scare of the Week this episode is the 2020 French film, The Advent Calendar. So uh, I don't know if you know this, um, Joanne, but... I keep misspelling calendar. I actually, you know, like I, when I was typing this up and I'm getting ready for the show, I kept spelling calendar C-A-L-E-N-D-E-R, and it's A-R. You know, I just, doesn't that blow your mind? I'm like, I don't know why I keep doing that. I just keep doing that. But it sounds like it would be an E. Yeah, right? Exactly. But so I'm, I'm not alone on this I'm one, the right? opposite. I spell advent with an A. <laughs> well, I mean, so it's like A-D-V-A-N-C, so it's yes. advanced. <laughs> Advanced calendar. Anyway, so anyway, the, the, sorry for that digression, everybody, but it just kind of struck me that I kept having to correct my spelling of calendar. Anyway, so the Advent calendar, the 2020 movie from France, um, moving along at a brisk one hour and 30 minutes, a terrific movie by writer-director Patrick Riedermont, former actor actually from France. And uh, released uh, and streaming December 2nd of 2021, and it can be found on Shutter. So that's also available on AMC Plus, which is a, a extended AMC streaming service, which includes basically all the content from Shutter. So you can see it both on Shutter and on AMC Plus. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, there you go. So you learn something new every day. All right, as usual, I will give a little bit of the background on the Advent calendar, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we thought about the movie, including our scare meter out of 10 and our star rating out of four. So to start with, the Advent calendar uh, is about Eva, played by Eugenie Durand, a former dancer who has been a paraplegic and bound to a wheelchair for the past three years after a tragic accident. Now, Eva works as an insurance representative and has issues with her boss who thinks she's not doing enough to limit payouts for insurance claims. Typical, that's pretty stereotypical for someone in an insurance company, and is particularly upset about the insurance he has to pay out for Eva's own accident. I mean, talk about a kick in the nads, huh? Yeah. That's a, really a boot in the berries right there that uh, <laughs> he's angry at the paying out for her own accident. Anyway, adding to her issues, Eva also has an elderly father who is suffering from significant memory loss and is under the care of a very uncaring stepmom who not only ignores her dad all day, but refuses to let Eva even speak to him on the phone. And so when Eva's birthday arrives, she receives a strange old school wooden advent calendar as a gift from her longtime friend, Sophie. And of course I wrote friend of air quotes yes. because, you know, well, watch the movie and find out. But anyway, the fact is that Sophie gives her this old school wooden advent calendar from Germany. And it is quite the doozy because strangely this advent calendar has inscribed on the back, a strange warning from someone named Ich. ICH, 
about following the rules, later revealed to be very simple. If you eat a candy, you must eat them all. You always have to follow the directions, and you do not dump the advent calendar. The penalty for breaking any of the rules is death. So every day, Eva is compared as compelled by the advent calendar to open a new door, and it, and it announces it. It says, you know, yeah, time to open a calendar at midnight. Yeah, I mean that's annoying. I'm sorry, but a midnight alarm—that's pretty freaking annoying. And and anyway, so the point is the annoying the annoying count. And this is supposed to be an old school calendar, but it has like a voice box. That seems a little odd, don't you think? I mean, well, I don't know. I is guess it supernatural. Yes, I guess it is supposed to be a supernatural, because it's not an ordinary advent calendar no, that no. you would see today. No, it is definitely... It is a well-crafted wooden item, Yes, which each item door is meticulously crafted for that particular individual. Right, right. So, not, not the cheap-ass advent calendar you buy today at right. Walgreens or Kmart or Walmart, which yes. is basically just paper. It's just paper, and right. You pop it open and you get the right. same old chocolate like in this every one, single you one. You need a key to open every door yeah that's pretty and cool it will not every door will not open unless it is that day yeah i gotta be honest i kind of want one of yeah these. i kind of want one i mean it was beautifully crafted yeah it's really cool anyway the point is that the penalty for breaking any of the rules here of course is death and he, she's compelled to open a new door with a small key revealing something different every single day at midnight sometimes it appears pleasant like a piece of candy but the consequences are often terrifying and increasingly bloody for everyone that Eva knows. Okay, so I'll stop there because, of course, you get the idea, I think, but I don't yeah. want to spoil the rest of the movie All for right. you because there's a lot to uncover. But um, what are your thoughts on the movie, Joanne? I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I, You know, I didn't know what to expect uh, first because it was a foreign movie and, you know, we had to read subtitles, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm not really high on that all the time. But secondly, I'm just like, it's an advent calendar. Right. Like, you know, how do you, what are they going to do to make that scary? Sure. So I thought they did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Advent calendar is generally something that's good, right? right? It kind of leads up to that expectation that you'll eventually get to Christmas and right. get some big gifts. Right. I mean, you open it on December 1st. It has 24 doors. Right. Up until Christmas Day, and, you get and each day you get something, some tiny treat. Yes, yeah. usually it's it's. I mean, today it could be anything. It could yes. be a toy, it yeah. could be candy. Yeah, those are way cool. I mean, it could be anything. Like, but back in our it. day, it was basically a piece of chocolate, and it, it was, was the identical piece of chocolate, and it was a tiny piece of chocolate. <laughs> it was really actually not great. Not great at all. Well, um, today's advent calendar has come a really that's right. long it's way. That's right. They've come a long way. Yeah. But this advent calendar is way better than that. It's yeah. giant and it has a lot of good stuff. But that being said, I, I thought the movie clearly was a kind of a very dark spin on It's a Wonderful Life. Essentially, it shows the protagonist that that things that uh, she that she has and she thinks are bad, you know, things that she thinks are bad may not be as bad as it otherwise could get. It's almost like she has an obviously horrible life here, right? She had this tragic accident, which cut off her uh, very promising career. And now she's stuck in this job as an insurance claims adjuster. And um, she has this dad who's getting very old and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't look forward to much of anything anymore. And she wants it all to become better. And what this kind of shows her in some ways is that things could be even worse or the things that you think are bad or maybe not so bad in the greater scheme of things. You know, I kind of have to disagree with you because, like, I don't really know if It's a Wonderful Life would be a good comparison to this movie because she already knew what a wonderful life was, which was when she had two functional legs 
and she was a dancer. Like that was her wonderful life. Well, and but now she's stuck in a chair and a job she doesn't like, like you said. And I think But the whole point but I'm saying the whole point of the wonderful life though is showing you that a bad life can still be wonderful, right? Like what you perceive as bad can still be wonderful, right? Because that was behind the point of the movie. Does does she see her bad life as being wonderful? I don't know if she does. Well, I I don't think that she ever sees anything as being wonderful, but I think what the movie does is puts her in a moral dilemma where she has to, she can make things that she thinks are bad, you know, in her life better. I mean, there are everything in everything that in the advent calendar, in one way or the other, makes something bad in her life better. And we're not going to get any more details than that because I don't want to give it away. And and the price, of course, is pretty steep because other things are paid in order to make those things better. So she benefits at the expense of others in many ways. She does. She does benefit at the expense of others, which I, I and without giving it away makes the ending of this movie very interesting yeah. because we've had a discussion on what we think happened right. because they, the director wasn't very clear on it. So you don't know how it ends up. Right. And the the interesting thing is, is that like, depending on what she does, does that say that she, in, her life is better with functional legs or is it better? Well, I think it's bigger than that though. It's not, it's not just the, it's not, I mean, obviously that's one of the things. Well, no, but like saying. our function, our, is, is um, Eva getting what she wants worth what she pays well, that's the during point. that 24 days? That's what I was saying, and yeah. And I, watch, after watching this movie and without giving anything away, I would say yes. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, would say yes. But that's the, that's... Because honestly, she didn't, really give up all that much well if you watch the movie you'll know i don't think she gave up well, all that okay much. Well, that, well, that's a question of you know so that, now you're kind of uh making the moral decision for her yeah but, but, like uh, it, it is but, a moral decision everyone needs to make right. but if it was me and it was those circumstances yeah i, I okay I so, so yes yes I'd i be okay with i understand it. you would yeah. throw everybody else under the bus I'd be okay with yeah it. i understand but that being said and i'd be watching but that's again. The, but that's the question though what price would you pay to fix all the things that you hate about your life, and are those things that hate your life, about your life, really the bad, the worst things, or that bad in the greater scheme of things? That that's really the question that this introduces, well, and that's what she has to end up having to address. Right, but I think some of the things she had to do actually was helpful in her life as well. Well, right. I mean, but but that's the point, though. There is something good, and there's something bad. Right. You know, there's something she gained, and there's some things that she lost. And then some of the things she loses isn't personal. It's just in a moral sense. Well, she no, loses, it is, right? Well, it's it like is personal. No, but, some right? of the things are very close. No, but some of the things that she loses aren't things that she cares. I mean, she doesn't care if she loses those things, but from a morality perspective. No, she does care if she loses some of those things. I know, I know. But some of those, without giving it away, some of the things that end up happening, bad things that happen to other people, are things that she was, she's happy to have happen to other people. But. Yes. But the point being is that morally, you should never wish something bad to happen to somebody else, no matter how much you hate them, you know? So, <laughs> so that's the struggle that she has there. Anyway, so that without giving up too much away, uh, certainly a very interesting watch and a very interesting concept, I think. So what do you like most and least about the movie? So the thing I liked most about the movie is the concept of the movie. Okay. I liked that they made another holiday. They were able to find another holiday horror. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought you take this out of the calendar and you make it horrific? Yes. So I really enjoyed that. Yep. I thought, 
you know, what is missing from that time period between Thanksgiving and Christmas? Right. It is this movie. It yep. is the advent calendar. Right. It is to fill those times in between what? with horror. Right. Okay. There you go. Good. And what did you like least about the movie? That it was in a foreign language. Okay. Well, <laughs> that is not really a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I, just, I mean, like, they did a great job. Fantastic. And, you know, one of the things I do appreciate about watching a foreign language film is that I need to pay attention because right. I need to... No surfing on the phone. Right. No I, surfing on your I laptop. I need to actually read the subtitles. Right. And although, no cutting your toenails. Although some of the things, you know, it's in French, so I do know hello and goodbye. Right, and but yes that's, that's, no, that's less than but... 1% of the movie, so you actually have to read the subtitles. But, you know, like... It 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 makes you pay that much more attention to it, which I did like. Yep. But at the same time, you know, I'm like, it's oh, effort. It's, it's effort. It's, it's, it's effort. effort. Know, and that's I what I liked the least about it. Not that it was a bad movie in French. I thought they did a great job. Oh. But just that, you know, any like foreign movie, I think we choose to watch. Like I, you know, it has to be something. Well, you have to be right. Yeah, you you're prepared to do the. Yeah, it has to, to be to something. Concentrate. So what? What I like most about the movie, of course, is the lead actress. And this is not. I don't think anyone will be surprised by that because I say this often. But Eugenie Durand, who played Eva, was absolutely perfect. She was a tragic figure, someone who had a bright future, tragically cut short, um, became a paraplegic, forced her into an office job as an insurance claims adjuster, completely the polar opposite of dancing, which she was doing before. And all these terrible things happened to her at work and in her private life. She very convincingly portrays, I think, the internal struggle between making things better for herself, quite literally at the expense of others, and how that impacts her from a moral perspective and from a personal perspective. Because she's not a bad person. No, right? she's not a bad, bad person. Bad things happen to her, but she's not a bad person. She, bad things happen to her, and she never blamed, right? She, she, she had to – she. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if she blamed someone. It's but, unclear. It's yeah, unclear who she who, who she blamed. But she but she but certainly her, didn't. You know, her outlook was: this is the situation I'm in, and I'm just gonna make the best out of it. Right, right. Of course, but things kept kept getting at her, and she kept trying to push through. And it, and you and you don't and you have this feeling where you say, you know what? Sometimes maybe that sacrifice is worth something good happening to her because she's had such a bad time, but then you got to think from a moral perspective, is it something that you could actually support? So I, I like that. I like that dichotomy they create there uh, in order to make you really, really think about the choices that she makes and the choices that you might make in the same situation. And we know what choices you would make. <laughs> of course, and what I like least about the movie, of course, is that the plot actually seemed more and more familiar to things I've seen in the past as it kept going. The ending moral dilemma wasn't as impactful as it could have been to me, at least. Um, for reasons I won't say, so I don't spoil the film. But I kind of felt this kind of impending daytime game. That's something I've seen before. I mean, it, it goes back as far as The Ring, maybe even before that, maybe even to Rosemary's Baby. You know, you have an impending thing that's coming up, and as the days go by, things start to get worse and worse and worse, and you're just waiting for that time to happen. I think it's the same kind of horror to what we've seen before. So that's why I like Lee's. But I did like the new spin using the advent calendar, and I love the fact that it was a holiday movie. Yeah. So let's give us uh, your scarometer there from 0 to 10. How scary? Uh, I give it a 5. Somewhere a five. in the middle. All right, me yeah. too. Yeah, I give it a 5 as well. It's right in the middle. Yeah. I thought there was a significant amount of tension, decent amount of gore, uh-huh. and a handful of jump scares, and I thought that was a, a very, um, a very efficient mm-hmm. use. And the creature. Uh, yeah, 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 right, right. It was, it was, it was, it was a kind of a. They, they kind of kept it off screen a lot, yes. and so that was good. But and it was a novel type of creature. It, it was, and they they were very, uh, and they were vague about yes. what it, it uh-huh. was, right? They were very vague. They left it up for your interpretation. Yes. So yeah, I guess that's true. The creature design also quite good. Mm-hmm. All right, so according to Rotten Tomatoes. 
81% on the Rotten Tomato meter, the tomato meter, uh, 31 reviews by uh, critics. Critics consensus is it may not be the most effective holiday horror entry, but the advent calendar has its share of nasty treats for genre fans. And the audience score, 63% enjoyed it. Uh, pretty, pretty good, pretty good ratings there. So what do you got it on a star rating, zero to four? Three. Yeah, three. Wow, that's a little high. That's a little higher for you. I gave it a 2.5. Oh, 2.5. Yeah, well, yeah, well, let's see. This is. I, I really enjoyed it, and I did like the ambiguous mm-hmm. ending, and the use of the advent calendar was different. We've not seen that before, so I thought that was good. But the idea, like I said, of the increasingly threatening forces unleashing day to day, and anticipating the unknown at the end of this daily countdown, is as at least as old as the ring. If not as old as, like I, I mean, said, Rosemary's Baby. I understand other what you're saying, movies. but it's very rare that you see such a novel idea that has not been done. And I just think that they did, they took a very old idea, made it new, which made the movie a little different. Yeah. And maybe it's because it was in, also in French, so I was like, oh, it's different. <laughs> All right, everybody. She gave it a three out of four. I gave it a 2.5 over four. We're talking about The Advent Calendar, the French movie from 2020, available for streaming on Shudder and on AMC+. Let's hit the boxing bell on that and get to the NFL player prop bets that we dare to make in the AFC and NFC Conference Championship. All right, let's go ahead and fire away here. What's your first pick? Uh, my first pick is A.J. Brown. Okay. And uh, it is for 70.5 total receiving yards. And I picked under. Oh, okay. Under yeah. 70.5 receiving yards. Yes. I mean, I, I know you already said that, you know, the 49ers defense aren't so great against the pass. Right. Um, but, you know, like A.J. I have to begin with A.J. Brown, um, even though I picked the under. A.J. Brown has been a real, real contributor to the Eagles this year. He's yeah, had sure. His best season since he's been in the NFL. Absolutely. With, with 1496 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. I mean, that is the best he's done he, in his I mean, career. He went from uh, Ryan Tannehill to Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So, you I know. mean, like he he was a he was a real like um, individual. Like his role was really needed. I think. Oh, it, it definitely opened up things for the Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they needed someone like him. And so you know, against the Giants. They said Brown suffered a slight uh, hip, hip injury. injury. Yeah. Uh, but you know they said that it's not that serious, and right. he even said that he's he's gonna be fine to play. But well, they always say they're fine though. Yeah. Right? I mean, what what else are they gonna say? Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, last week's game, he's had he had three catches for 22 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and only six targets. Right. But that's okay. They didn't need him. Right. They, they had him, him for most of the half, second half. Yeah. They were blowing out the Giants I mean, for so much. I mean, they were 28 to zero. They, they, they essentially Into ran the it. Half. Right. And, and I think that if we, we if we go back and take a look at that game, they ran it all but three times in the second half. Yeah. So, so you know. I mean, like, I mean, he had he had like half of that game to pretty much recover from whatever. He ha- whatever he had going on. Right. But, um, yeah, so, but, like, so why do I say it's less? Well, yeah, they're, the, um, the San Francisco 49ers might not be that great in defending the pass game, but they're still the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still, their defense is still credited for, uh, you know, Bosa having 18 and a half sacks. Um, their safety, mm-hmm. you know, gets the, Gibson having five interceptions mm-hmm. and um, Upenga. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. I know, that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. You really so, stand I mean, out this year. It's just like they have the ability to disrupt the passing game. Yeah. Even though, you know, they might fall, you know, in the, the 20th in the NFL, yep, in the yep. league, they still have the ability to, to disrupt it. Yep. And I think knowing that A.J. Brown is their number one receiver – they're going to probably cover him pretty closely, yeah. which will open up opportunities for um, other wide receivers on Philadelphia. Right. Uh, I'm not saying like their passing game is out. I just don't know if AJ Brown would be able to reach um, 71 total receiving yards. Right. And and you know the thing is, it's just that like you know we don't know about his hip injury, maybe, maybe it's fine. I'm going to say it probably is not that bad. Right, but it certainly is something that, that may factor into the number of reps he takes and the number of routes he runs. But I just think he might be more of a decoy. Yep. No, well, and I, I, I will definitely use him. If I, the opportunity is there, of course, he's going to get the ball. Well, he is a playmaker. They're going to have to, they're gonna, they're gonna have to target A.J. Brown for them to have a chance to win this game. But, but you're right. I think that they will probably be defending him. And of course, Jalen Hurts sacked 35 times during the regular season this week, this, uh, this season. So it's not like he's not susceptible to getting sacked. Right. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like they could be very disruptive on the line. And mm-hmm. you, and honestly, you don't know what team is going to show up. I mean, and a great example is the Giants against against Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, they just looked so fierce yep. against the Eagles. Like, yeah. what team was that? I don't even know. I don't know, but I don't think the Eagles are going to fall down to Giants territory. No, I don't think so <laughs> I don't either. Think so. I don't think so, but, okay. you know. All right, so A.J. Brown, uh, the under on 70.5 receiving yards. My first pick is Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow has an over-under of 276.5. Total passing yards against the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. I will take the over on 276.5 yards. So this seems easy to me as Burrow is going to pass, I think, with reckless abandon against the Chiefs defense that's in the bottom half in terms of passing yards allowed. The Bengals are on an absolute heater right now. They won nine in a row, clearly firing in all cylinders. So Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Hayden Hurst. Burrow has the second fastest time to throw from snap of any QB in the league at 2.55 seconds. So he likes to keep the offense moving, and he doesn't take much pressure. Burrow averaged 279.7 passing yards per game during the regular season. Uh, Alert, that is actually, guess what, more than 276.5 total passing yards. And so I think the Bengals are going to keep the foot on the pedal throughout the game, which I anticipate will be a shootout, and to continue the dominance of the Chiefs, whom they've already beaten three times in a row, including last year's AFC Championship game. And by the way, in those three meetings against the Chiefs, Burrow has averaged 327.3 passing yards, way over 276.5. So I got the over on 276.5 passing yards for Joe Burrow this weekend. I kind of have to agree with you. I mean, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, two quarterbacks that love the air and, uh, you know, two quarterbacks that are just, like, really, like, Really good. Probably and, the two two of the four best quarterbacks yeah, in the NFL. And for just sure. watching Joe Burrow last week, I mean, that was really amazing. Mm-hmm. In the snow. In the snow and the wind. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it was. And it, you would think, like, it wasn't snowing, that the weather was, per- like, the way Joe Burrow was, you know, out there throwing, playing, how fast he, like, it uh, got the ball out of his hand. Yeah, I, we're commenting all the time. I mean, he yeah. was going through his progressions and passing uh, almost immediately. Very, very. Fast, very efficient yeah. with his throwing. I mean, they just look just 
so on. I just can't even believe it. Yep. I mean, I think that was the best they looked, really, like all season long. Probably. Basically. It looked great yeah. I mean, compared to what they looked like against the Ravens. Yeah. But that just shows you what a great defense can do. All right. Turn it over to you. What's your second pick for the uh, conference championship weekend? So I'm going to go on the other side mm-hmm. of, of this um, NFC championship and go with Christian McCaffrey. Okay. And he is up for 64.5 rushing yards, and I'm going to pick the over. Okay. The over on 64.5 yeah. <laughs> total rushing yards. Got it. Yeah. I, that's, you know, I think that's pretty daring. Huh? I know you don't think it's so daring. No, but, it's Kim daring. You know, like Christian McCaffrey has really found his place on the 49ers. He has. But he's had down weeks and he had up weeks. Sure. And down weeks, Consistency isn't his thing. Right. Down weeks meaning, you know, he's had 45 yards. Yeah. And up weeks where he's had like 130. I mean, like, you know, it, you just don't know, like, what plays that they're going to do. Right. How much Christian McCaffrey is going to contribute or they need him to contribute. So it really depends. And Christian McCaffrey is also suffering from a slight calf injury, which he also says is no problem. problem. No problem. So, but I did pick the over because of the Eagles' defense. They are 16th against the run. Yeah. So I think, but number one against the pass. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that they're not going to throw the ball because, of course, they have to. Right. If all you do is run the ball. It's going to be very one-dimensional. Yes. It's not going to be and able to get them anywhere. Everyone's going to know what's happening. Right. So, you know, you're going to need to mix it up. But, I mean, if you're playing against the, you know, top pass defense in the NFL, you're going to have to use your legs a lot. And Purdy could do that, but Christian McCaffrey could also do that. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to say that he's going to be able to break uh, 65 rushing yards. Yeah, so 64.5 total rushing yards being the, being the bet, and you got the over on that. Yeah. Uh, and aside, if you take the Cowboys game out of it, he's actually busted that every game he's been with the San Francisco 49ers except for two. Yeah. So um, I like that bet. I like the bet, assuming the uh, calf injury isn't a problem. Yeah. For I mean, and to be honest, like he, it wasn't that much of a problem, I feel like, last week. I mean, every time he did step out, he was, like, loosening up his calf. Right. Um, but I just, uh, you know, it just depends. Sometimes you have the opportunity. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, and Eli Mitchell was healthy for the time, and so they were running him, and he was very effective. So I understand why they were saving Christian McCaffrey for third down. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll see how that works out. But I like that bet, the over on 64.5 total rushing yards. Fingers crossed. All right. And now my second bet of the week is, I think, a little more daring, and that is Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, traded midseason from the New York Giants. Uh, he has an over-under of 34.5 total receiving yards. And I'm going to take the over on 34.5 total receiving yards. So now Patrick Mahomes has has a high ankle sprain. We know that. Okay, he had the MRI. We know it's a high ankle sprain. We know exactly how that will impact him as well. Because in the second half of that game against the Jaguars, we saw exactly what it did. What happened was that Mahomes had trouble extending plays with his feet because obviously he wasn't very mobile with the high ankle sprain. And he also had trouble planting his feet in order to throw the ball downfield with any velocity. So what that means is to get, let go of the ball quickly and he had to do it and hit receivers typically no more than 10 to 15 yards downfield. So he peppered the heck out of Travis Kelce on short routes. But the other player that benefited was Kadarius Tony. Tony's snap count uh, has been a little bit limited compared to Joju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scantling. But when Tony's on the field, there is a very good chance that he's going to get the ball. Against the Jaguars, Tony had 20 offensive snaps, which isn't very many, but he ran 12 routes and took one handoff during those 20 offensive snaps. Of those 12 routes, Mahomes and Chad Henney 
targeted him seven times, with Tony catching five of them for 36 yards. That meant Tony was Mahomes' target on around 60% of the receivers' routes run. In comparison, Smith-Schuster and Valdez-Scantling ran 34 and 26 routes. That's more than double that uh, Tony had each, and respectively only saw two targets each. All right, so Tony finished the game with the second most targets, receptions, receiving yards, only behind Kelchi. And as a side note, he also had the third most rushing yards on the day. So the bottom line is that the high ankle sprain is typically a six-week recovery. Mahomes isn't getting better by this weekend. Even if Henny gets the start, he's also going to target short to medium routes all day. On top of this, the Bengals allow the 10th most receiving yards to opposing wide receivers per game. I like Tony to exceed 34.5 receiving yards against the Bengals. I mean, like, I'm hit or miss with that because I think knowing that Mahomes ha- has that injury, they're going to account for that with their plays. Yep. So that means um, when they were doing this last week, you know, they didn't know that this would happen. Of course. So that was Tony's position. But what's going to happen this week? Well, oh. they know that Mahomes is not going to be very mobile, so they're going to have a lot more plays with a lot of different people um, so you, I, I, I think that's very daring. I think Mahomes, I think Tony creates when he has the ball. He's like mini Tyreek Hill. But so, like, like, you know, but he's also hit or miss. Like, yeah. you just don't know. I don't, I know, but 34.5 receiving yards and what I think is going to be a shootout, I don't think is going to be that bad. So I'm taking the over on that. And that brings us to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right. That's all the time we have. Joanne, give us your social media so people can follow you. It's at Kung Fu for you on Twitter. All right. Give her a follow and let her know what you think about her prop bets, good or bad or ugly or otherwise. (laughs) Well, as usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, watch those horror movie scares. Make those NFL player prop bet dares. And enjoy your NFL week and the conference championships. Good luck, everyone.